Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people who actually have an internet connection. <laughs> it only took two days. It was a tough time, guys. We spent like a whole hour trying to understand each other's garbled like bleh, 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 noises. So many technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. But we're here to record some content for you. And we're not super confident in our content, but, but we're no, here. But we rarely are, to be fair. It's like not really, not really that different than usual. <laughs> but I will right. say, if the last two episodes were all about Kelsey's delight, this episode will definitely be like the antidote to that. <laughs> I- I suppose it may be. Or but maybe... I'm a little delighted by at least one and a half of these topics. Maybe like a different type of delight. <laughs> a hate watch See, this... delight? Yeah, this is more like a return to like the spirit of hate watch. Mm. Going back to our roots. That'll happen. One of these when we things run out of content. <laughs> I did not take any delight in, I will say. <laughs> spoiler alert spoiler alert i absorbed all of kelsey's delight <laughs> and, and all that's left is the salt <laughs> my delight was an existential threat to the freedom of expression <laughs> a joke we can't even try to explain no <laughs> google oh it maybe don't, but like maybe don't maybe don't i don't want to suck out everyone's delight you know yeah <laughs> <sighs> oh. baby uh, okay we're already off to a better start mm-hmm. <coughs> so some things developed in content over the last few weeks One of them is that Arrested Development finally dropped their mysterious fifth season. And rolled out their fourth season. And, yeah, they did the the whole thing, and it's just a lot of stuff that they did. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about that, uh, because we've watched it and have feelings and stuff. Um, And then the other thing that happened in content is... uh, some some actors have reappeared from the Where Are They Now abyss. <laughs> In the most delightful way. <laughs> and uh, so we, we're going to be talking about the upcoming summer rom-com, Little Italy. May not be summer. There's this details This says there. summer. This we'll this think piece that I have open says summer. We'll get there. We'll get there. It's right here. Um okay. but <laughs> I mean you could evidence. You could still be right. I'm just saying I'm looking at the word summer movie season is about to kick into high gear and then it keeps going for the rest of the paragraph including a specific reference to little okay. Italy okay. with an ellipses and a question mark. So right because it's unclear because it's like what we'll get and right. we'll uh, get there we'll get there this this is it's gonna be a journey we're gonna take mm-hmm. you on it mm-hmm. but let's start with um Arrested Development yeah that was a thing yep that happened yep. So at this point, I have watched six of the eight episodes that are available. Netflix. I've seen all of them, and I've seen okay. half, probably, of the recut season four. Of the remix? 
Yeah. Yeah. I have not watched any of the the remix episodes. We weren't really planning to talk about the remix, but it's a thing that happened, so. Right. Here we are. Um, so Netflix at this point has only released eight episodes because they were trying to squeak in under that Emmy deadline. Yep. Um, and so there's another set of episodes. I don't know how many, but that are like floating about in space. And Netflix has I not. I would imagine it's. Go ahead. Uh, Netflix has not released a, a drop date for those yet. Yeah. I would imagine it's like four to eight new episodes. Yeah. And I would imagine that it's coming soon, but like there's nothing out yet, which is super weird. It's kind of a bold move to like hurry up and drop your content at the same time that you're <laughs> creating a huge... PR debacle for yourself. There's but, you know. just, like, a lot that happened in this rollout. That wouldn't be my, like, four-year consideration strategy, but... No. no, so... So they first start with a cryptic tweet that's like, season five is coming soon, but surprise, we've re-edited season four, and that's available right now. Enjoy that. And yep. no one ever asked for that one. But it's better. It's more palatable. Yeah, I so I haven't seen it, but like I have read some real mixed reviews on that. I mean, you're you're working with the same content, which right. is fraught and <laughs> not very good. Right. But they took something that was hard to digest and made it easier to digest. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Mostly I just don't think I could get through that content twice. Even if you, like, re-edit, I just don't think I can get through that content twice. Yeah, it wasn't, like, fun. <laughs> um, and then in the midst of all of this, they decided to go on press tour, which is, like, a normal thing. And, mm -hmm. uh, that's where the whole thing went to shit. <laughs> Men specifically went to shit. Men... Men went to shit. All the men are broken. We need to put the men in rice. Like an old <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> Aww. To see if we can fix the men. Yikes. Um, also... No, I'm not, I'm not gonna go there yet. Go ahead. Okay, are you sure? Because <laughs> I actually had nothing coming yeah. after that um. So. Okay. Um... <laughs> but also... But also, <laughs> not only was, like, the behavior gross, but the New York Times <laughs> <laughs> has been promoting this content since it blew up uh -huh. as a promoted tweet, and it's just the grossest thing I've ever seen. Like, it's like... So-and-so, you know, like, all these things happen. What happened next? Yep. Click here to find out. Like, literally. They literally use the clickbait, like, you won't believe what happened next. And it's so gross. It is disgusting. Like, I think it was a story that was probably good to share. Yes. <laughs> like, good job for reporting it. But don't do that. It really spoke for itself. Like, it really didn't need you to do that. <laughs> Especially because it's not subtle. It's not subtle. And I also just really feel like, like, this is not the time or place for no. trivializing things. Like, you, I would just think that we would be in a cultural climate at this particular moment where, one, you don't have to, like, trick people with clickbait into clicking on an interview like this. Because, like, society's already interested. Right. But also that we might approach such an interview... With some amount of sensitivity. 
Like, had they phrased that differently, I wouldn't have been upset with the promotion. No, it's not that they're promoting it. It's also frustrating. It's the combination. Go ahead. It's the combination of the language they chose to use and the promotion of it, like, far past its actual breaking point. That's just, like, Yeah. like, That's what I was going to say, is that they're still using that as the copy for it after... Like, weeks after it was a scandal. Yeah. Where it's like, again, people's interest has already, like, people are already interested in it. Um, we don't need to make it sound like this was a super fun interview because all of Twitter has established that it's not. Right. Let's cool they it. D- it's like, <laughs> read the room, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's weird, too, coming from a publication like the New York Times, because they're so, like, serious. I know, and I'm not really the one to... I don't take, like, social media karma lightly, but (laughs) this one needs to be called out for being bad. Yeah. I've been surprised, actually, that no one has really called out the New York Times for it. Yeah. I'm surprised, too. I think everyone was so distracted by, like, channeling their frustration towards Jason Bateman that they, like, didn't even think about the rest of the context. Right. I think that's fair. Yeah. Which, like, it was well-deserved. It was, yes. I mean, he's not the root of the problem, obviously. (laughs) He is not the root of the problem. But he was a good, a good focus. He was a good target. Right. I found it validating because I have always had this feeling about Jason Bateman, like he's a little bit of a tool. Yeah. And I don't think that this interview revealed that he's a bad person. I think it just revealed that he's like a tool. Yes, he is very (laughs) much a tool. (laughs) (laughs) Like he was out there mansplaining. He was like... Like, it was almost like he was in character. It really was. And, you know, I've always felt like he was tapping in a little too much to, like, <laughs> some deeper aspects of Michael's psychology. Yeah. And I think there's a reason for it. <laughs> it's concerning. A little concerning. And I also, like, I appreciated his apology, but I don't feel like it was even, like, the right apology necessarily, and, like, apologies are sticky, so I don't police them too much, but I was kind of like, all right, Jason. Yeah. But also, like, Netflix, what have you done? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What have you done? Netflix, why are you parading Jeffrey Tambor in press tour? Netflix, why didn't you give any of these people media training? Netflix. <laughs> I Yeah, I do wonder, like, what the pre and post conversations around that must have been. Because there's no way that the execs at Netflix sent these people on press tour and weren't like, okay, the stuff with Jeffrey Tambor is going to come up. Good luck. <laughs> I know that, like, interviews are done with a recording device, but all I can picture is, like, this family feud happening and this poor reporter just, like, scrambling to write down quotes as fast as they possibly can, being like, and she said, what? (laughs) Yeah, that must have been... I, like, I got the feeling, I never read the full transcript, to be fair, I only read, like, the part of the transcript that everyone was tweaking about. Um, but I very much got the feeling that, like, the reporter wasn't totally ready for the can of worms that was opened. No. No. <laughs> like, I think they thought they were asking a pretty stock question, uh, given, like, what's been going on with Jeffrey Tambor. And then yeah, they, they did just not sign up for this. <laughs> no. Although, why are you asking that question in a group interview if if you're not looking to, like, rile up the group dynamic a little. Yeah. I think that's very true. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely don't think they were going to get Jessica Walters to cry, though. No! (laughs) 
And no one should ever do that to her. No. That was the alarming part. I actually have refused to listen to the recording of it because I, it's like twofold. I feel like it's a little too like raw for me. Like, I don't think I could like withstand listening to it. Yeah. And listening to her be that upset. But I also kind of feel like it's like humiliating to her to like parade around audio of her being this upset and then also being this disregarded by her colleagues. Oh, are we saying the New York Times is gross again? Yes, that's what we're getting back to. (laughs) I mean, she had to consent to it being released, so, like, whatever. It just, it's, like, such a vulnerable position to put her in and then have it, like, paraded around on the internet, like, oh, look, she cried. Come listen and see what made her finally break down. Right. It's gross. I know, it is gross. But also, it's gross that it happened. Yes. That is the grosser point. It's true. It's just, like, layers of grossness here. I know. And I feel like it's, like, it deserves for everyone to spend as much time on it as they have because um, there are other ways to be a gross man in the workplace other than, like, very direct, outward sexual harassment. Yeah. Like, men, you are gross in multitudes. <laughs> it did sort of, like, sour watching season five. Five? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever season this is. Because every scene that they were in together, I was like, was this the one? Was this the one? Mm. Oh, was it... Did that happen in this season? I assumed that that incident had happened in a previous season. Oh, I didn't even think of that. It could be. Huh. I just assumed that, like, he reached peak gross all at once, but you never know. <laughs> I mean, there there would be arguments based on the amount of stress he was under at the time for that being possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I I mean, either way, like... I felt similarly because in that interview she said, like, I feel like I just have to move on and forgive you. And that was in my head every time they were on screen together. Yeah. The one thing I do appreciate about it, though, in this season is that Lucille is in such a position of power, like, infinitely leagues above Mm -hmm. um, George Sr. for the whole season. And, And everyone. And everyone, yeah. So, in, like, in that sense, that felt really good, like, seeing George Sr. so small and so fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, that felt really validating. God, she is a gift. She is a fucking gift. She must be protected at all costs. They gave her the best material, as mm-hmm. they should. She has been, like, the redeeming thing of this whole season. Like, they could get rid of the rest of the Arrested Development universe and just give me a Lucille spinoff, and I would watch it until I die. <laughs> like, her talking about breakfast wine is my favorite thing. <laughs> I love her so much. Oh, it's so there's, there's a scene where she's talking about this guy that she's, like, in love with or whatever, and she says, he tickles my fancy. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so good. Her delivery is so on point. God. And she throws the best shade, which is nothing new. No. But she has some real good ones she's in so this season. She's so perfect. Like, she's, she's such a master class. I know. I love her. Love her so much. So, so much. Uh, so that's, like, the context for this season. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Those are the highlights. Those are the highlights. Um, so how are, how are you feeling right now? What's your relationship with the show these days? Um, speaking as the co-host who went to an Arrested Development party on a Tuesday in 2018, it was weird. <laughs> With the same people who she went to an Arrested Development party for in, what, 2009? Whenever season four came out, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but I was coming out of the, as everyone I think was, like the season four haze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> season five, definitely, they start out kind of rocky because they're trying to recover really, really quick. <laughs> and then it sort of feels like a, it's not the same show. No. <laughs> but it's also not bad. Like, I laughed genuinely about things. I don't think they've gotten a single laugh out of me yet, other than, like, the tickles my fancy line, but that was more like a coy smile than a real laugh. Yeah. Um, I found it funny at times. (laughs) It's not the same, and I don't know if it's that they don't have as much time to, like, layer in the jokes, because we're only at eight episodes, and maybe there's, like, more in-jokes further down the line. I don't really know, but um, it kind of feels like late seasons of The Office, where yeah. you're like, this is fine, but it's not the same. No, it's kind of like a shell of its former self. Yeah, I do think that they recovered from season four in the way that I'd hoped they would. Mm. Because my expectations were low. <laughs> I don't know that I'd use the word recover, because I feel like that that makes it sound like they got back to a a like happy baseline but they improved yes they improved from season four i found a few lessons the first two episodes to be like basically unwatchable the first episode in particular i felt like i was being tortured you were so salty it was awful i hated it and i was like knitting and it was like sunny out and it was like a beautiful day to be watching tv and I was so unhappy with every single part of my life. Like, I had just eaten breakfast. Like, in theory, it should have been the best time. <laughs> and I was miserable. Um, And then by episode three, about halfway through episode three, I was, like, not as stressed. And so I took that as a sign that we were headed in a positive direction. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I've been able to watch since then. So it definitely turns a curve. Um, You haven't hated it as much. I also haven't liked it, though. Like, I've remained extremely lukewarm on the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't tell from her tone. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm not the most aloof. But (laughs) it's funny that you bring up the in-jokes, because I was reading... I think it was a BuzzFeed article, maybe. It was some kind of clickbait that was, like, season five of the whatever is has all the, like, as many jokes as the old show, you know? Yeah. And so then it had, like, a list of all of the jokes and references as proof that it's as high-achieving as the early seasons. Oh, my God. BuzzFeed needs something else to report on. They really... It was desperate. But it was literally like 15 things and they were all super obvious. It was like, they had a callback to the banana stand. Yeah. They used a mother boy joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, do you remember how they had the the window magazine? Because they showed oh, that. God. And it's, what's tricky about it is, like, good for them that they remembered to throw in some references to jokes that they've had in the past, but that's not why seasons one through three were so layered and jam-packed with jokes. It wasn't just, like, hey, we made this joke once a long time ago, and now we're making it again. They had some good in-season I don't even want to call them callbacks, but there were some, like, long-running jokes in these eight episodes that mm-hmm. worked for me. That panned out more towards the end of the season. Mm. So and they're like, trying. They're trying. I'm still, like, really not into the meta joke with Ron Howard. Oh, I like it. It's like, I, I understand what they were doing. Um, and I understood why that was the framework for season four. Yeah. Um, which, like, for those of you who 
maybe don't do Arrested Development when it was canceled. A bunch of people thought they were going to make a movie. So, like, that's why it's such a joke. But it's, it's like, I don't really get what they're trying to do with, like, the characterized version of Ron Howard. So I'm just kind of like, ugh. Um... Well, I liked that they made a solo joke. <laughs> that was really well done. <laughs> and topical. It's just biased from your pure delight. <laughs> it is. But I like that they're like he they're mocking him about being like the nice guy, like you know all that stuff. Yeah. Have you gotten to the like the family picnic and Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like it's funny. I don't dislike it. Yeah. It's not, it feels like it's not in-universe. I think that's, like, the weird part. Yeah. But it doesn't bother me either. I just, I guess I feel like I don't, I don't get the sense that when any of the times that they've tried to bring it back, that they've been able to, like, appreciate whatever the magic was of the first three seasons that made it the cult favorite that it was. And so their attempts to revive it have been, like, really hollow. Because they're just, like, missing whatever that, like, magic thing was. And we talked a little bit on Slack about how, like, those first three seasons are, like, peak Bush era TV. And, like, how that time was maybe, like, part of why it was so funny. Definitely a huge part of it. I thought they had some rich material to work with in this season, and they they talked about it, like, a little tiny bit, but they had set themselves up for so much, and I feel like they didn't go for it all the way, or they haven't yet. Well, I almost feel like they... Uh... I haven't been able to figure out how to phrase this. I've been thinking about it for a couple days. Because... accidentally hit the nail on the head too directly. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I think, like, the problem for me is that, like, the show has always been about the family, but, like, you weren't watching it because you were invested in what happened to the Bluths. It was because of, like, the satire. Yeah. And the Bluths were just the representation of it. Right. And it encapsulated so much of what it was like to live in the mid-2000s. And then I feel like the revivals have been focused entirely on, like, the family and the stakes for the family. Which, Mm -hmm. for season four, I feel like made sense because the Obama years were, like, not the Bush years. Right. (laughs) And so politically, they just, like, not because there weren't political things going on, but it wasn't the same political environment that it had been born into, so the jokes weren't the same anymore. Yeah. Um, And so you're right that right now is, like, a perfect time for the show to come back. The um, number of things that they have to work with, in theory, is even better than what they had during the Bush years. But I mm-hmm. feel like they're too stuck on the Bluths. Like, it's still more about... yeah. The family and the relationships and the stakes for the family. And, like, the family was always supposed to be a symbol. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I really thought they were going to go for it. In, like, one of the first episodes where they're talking about the wall. Yeah. And show the news footage. And I'm like, no fucking way. And they make some kind of joke about... Because, like, the wall started in season four before Trump's campaign. Yeah. Yeah. And so they make a joke in that episode about essentially how, like, they didn't see this coming. Right. <laughs> and so, like, they they just have so much to work with. You're right. They really do. And they haven't done it yet. <laughs> I Like, I feel like in the first three seasons, the show was ahead of its time in terms of, like, what it was trying to do and what it was, like, actually accomplishing. And then in the time that it was off the air, it, like, fell behind its time. And it hasn't been able to, like, catch back up to where society is now. I think that's 
probably true. It's like they lost momentum and they just like can't get back to it. Yeah. I don't know. There's a joke that I really want to see your reaction to, but you haven't gotten to it yet. Mm. It's in one of the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's... I'm curious because it's an elaborate, like, coming out of the closet joke. <laughs> which feels, like, very of its Bush era time. Yeah. In a way that you can almost appreciate because we're almost far enough away where I think you could mock yourselves for it. Like, but... it's almost funny. Yeah. Is it... Does it have to do with Job? Yes. Well, that's, like, almost comforting because I've been really uncomfortable with that storyline. <laughs> I, by far this season, have felt like Job has been the weakest part. And a couple of the things I've read have been about how, like, Job has brought some of the best comedy this season. And I've been like, oh, I don't know. I don't know that he's had the best comedy. No, I do not think so. And I have found it very cringy. I mean, I like—I don't mind cringy hum- humor, so it doesn't bother me. But it has felt a little bit like not of our time. Yeah, yeah. I also haven't been able to figure out from them if they want to be stuck in the mid two thousands or if they want time in the universe to have progressed the way the rest of society has. You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems like they're not sure either. I Right? Because sometimes I feel like they're splitting the difference, and, like, you really can't do that. No, it doesn't work that way. No. Like, either the society in the universe is the same as today's society, or all growth in culture stopped in 2005. Pick a lane. <laughs> Speaking of all growth in culture stopping in 2005. Oh! <laughs> Oh my god, I didn't even think about it, but that's that's the connecting thing. It is. I mean, if you have any other thoughts about Arrested Development, share them. I just had to take that opportunity when you laid it out No, for me. you know what? That is a great time. The TLDR, I am not enthused about season five, and I want to go back to a time when all there was was seasons one through three of Arrested Development. And I am mildly enthused, but certainly not delighted. Also... All of the men are broken. <laughs> all of the men. <laughs> Cancel all men. Put them in rice. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so uh, so 2005 is coming at us hot. <laughs> so hot. In another way. Yeah, um, blast from the past in the rom-com world, where even a rom-com like this is a blast from the past. Uh, Little Italy is happening to us. Yeah. You were Maybe. The, you were the one who found this, so why don't you give the rundown? So there was this beautiful shining moment on Twitter. In the midst of all the bad things on Twitter, sometimes there's things like this. <laughs> When the Little Italy poster, DVD cover, unclear, suddenly gets picked up and the internet has a moment to talk about how bad it's going to be and everyone hate watches together and it's beautiful. Um, so I told you we were going to start off by <laughs> describing this poster in detail and I, oh, I still have it open. Oh, good, good, good. Look at me go. That was from last night. Oh. <laughs> the only good thing to come out of last night's recording attempt. Yeah. Yep. So, first of all, if we're going to start from the top. Yep. It says, from the director of Miss Congeniality and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Like, who is still alive? They saw that <laughs> on the movie poster and was like, oh, well, this seems like a promising film. I mean, I am fascinated, but I'm also like, is that the last thing you did was how to lose a guy in 10 days? <laughs> Where have you been all this time? Um, And then 
Oh, this is a movie poster, but the billing is so poorly designed that you actually can't tell uh-huh. that there's other people in this movie. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so then there's this little sticker-y thing that says Little Italy, and it has a heart on it, and the, the Italian flag. Mm-hmm. It looks like um, one of those landmark signs in cities. Yeah. You know, like you're going to like a historical district or something and they're like, it's Little Italy and there's like a little signpost. Exactly. That's what it looks like. And then there's pictures of our two leads who just look so charming. <laughs> um, one of them is Emma Roberts. Yep. Uh, who's only famous for being Julia Roberts' relative. Yep. And she's standing real sassy-like with her hands on her hips, and her shirt is a red shirt, and it says, A Slice of Heaven, and has a pizza on it. (laughs) And next to her is someone who looks appropriately humbled. (laughs) Someone who we know is not a fan of things like sand. (laughs) Um, our good old friend Hayden Christensen, uh-huh. who's got his hands in his pockets, and his green t-shirt says, Vince's Pizza, the best. <laughs> and it looks like it's going to be a fun, romantical pizza delight. Yes. Um, can, the, can I read the, you the synopsis on IMDb? Please. A young couple must navigate a blossoming romance amidst a war between their families' competing pizza restaurants. <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's gonna be the worst. Mm-hmm. I have some theories. Um... Is it going to be, like, a live-action Bob's Burgers between <laughs> Tina and, um, what's his face? Jimmy Pastel. J- yeah, Jimmy Jr. <laughs> and they're warring pizza shop or, like, restaurants across the street from each other. Uh-huh. Could be. I kind of want to see that. If so. <laughs> it's um, gotta be, right? Like, that's the only option. Maybe it was the inspiration. I mean, oh, it could be. Her her family's pizza shop appears to be called A Slice of Heaven, if you're going by the t-shirt. And that's just punny enough to be, like, basically stolen IP from Bob's Burgers. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> also stolen IP from the next Hallmark movie. Well, okay, so that was going to be my joke. Just Sorry. coming in here. <laughs> There's only so much material here. Yeah, it's so true. This literally feels like an off-season Hallmark movie. It does. Like, That's I don't a good understand teaser for our upcoming segment. It is. That's what made me think of it. I was scrolling through our spreadsheet. <laughs> I was like, this is off-season Hallmark. It is. I don't understand um, why it's not just a made-for-TV movie. Well, so the thing I was reading about in great detail while you were troubleshooting last night yep. was that at least in the last couple weeks when this article was written, mm. there was no U.S. distributor. Oh, shit. So they were trying to pitch it as if Netflix should pick it up like a Christmas prince and launch gotcha. it the same way. Gotcha. Because it's the same, but summer. Yeah, it's so true. But I'm, like, so eager to to just see how bad it is. I would be really okay with that, actually, with Netflix just picking it up. I know. Like, this, this feels right. Like, please, please, dear God, <laughs> do not go pay $9 to watch this in a theater. I don't think it will get a theater. I think they were thinking a DVD distribution. <laughs> okay. That makes but, me feel a lot better. Like, what I... 
I'm just broken at the thought of, like, the acting capacity in this movie is, uh-huh, like, that uh-huh. of a five-year-old combined. Yep. So, but yeah, I mean, we... they're... These two are literally no better than the Hallmark actors. Could be worse. We don't know. They could be worse. It's true. And I feel like at this point in their careers, they have about the same notoriety as the Candaces. Yeah. That's exactly right. (laughs) The Candace is the one Candace. Well, you know, there was the one Candace, but they had two of her. Right. (laughs) I recall. (laughs) I've seen the parent trap. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, Hallmark seems to be reaching for these people who, like, have fallen to, like, D-list level. So, you know, it would be like a get for them. Look no further than Hayden Christensen. No fucking tool. Kidding. <laughs> um, I have some real, real good quotes pulled up from him that we'll get to in a few minutes here. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm really excited to do a deep dive into Hayden Christensen's time <laughs> out of Hollywood. But like, what's he been doing since 2005? Okay, well, we'll hop there, and then I have another quote I have to read you, but we'll get back to it. Um, oh, all right. So you have answers. I wasn't really. <laughs> I like. I have answers. I'm glad you this is what I was doing while we were trying to troubleshoot last night. <laughs> we're good at dividing and conquer. We are. <laughs> um, and I like that the results of yours was like actual knowledge about like film production, and I was just like, "What petty dirt can I pull up about what a tool Hayden <laughs> Christensen is?" That's the content I really want. <laughs> um, so he's been in a few movies. Mm-hmm. And all of them have failed. They've all okay. done really poorly. So then he decided to leave Hollywood altogether for like a hot second. Oh. And he bought a farm. Presumably in Canada. <laughs> Presumably in Canada, which is where he's from. It, none of these interviews say what kind of farm it was. Okay. But um but he did he did literally buy a farm. And when asked about his time post Star Wars out of the spotlight, he has a few different <laughs> things that he said. Oh no. Oh, no. All of which all of which are fascinating insights. So this quote is I felt like I had this great thing in Star Wars that provided all these opportunities and gave me a career, but it all kind of felt a little too handed to me. I didn't want to go through life feeling like I was just riding a wave. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no. So really. That just sounds so defensive. <laughs> imagine thinking that you're too good for your resume worthy opportunity i mean like, who broke up with who here hayden i know then he goes on to say uh you know talking about how he was out of the spotlight for so long and whatnot He says, you can't take years off and not have it affect your career. But I don't know. In a weird sort of destructive way, there was something appealing about that to me. (laughs) There was something in the back of my head that was like, if this time away is going to be damaging to my career, then so be it. If I can come back afterwards and claw my way back in, then maybe I'll feel like I earned it. All I'm thinking about is that scene where he's like, no, I have the high ground. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm picturing him lava burnt and crawling up the sir 
<laughs> like he's so misguided. I just I want so badly to have so much sympathy for him because I genuinely feel like Star Wars and the fandom ruined his career. And like <laughs> to have him respond think like he sh- that. He shouldn't have been cast in those movies. <laughs> no, he should not have been. They were a little above him. I mean, they weren't, but they... But, like, maybe they might have also been. Yeah. But, like... Like, I have no doubt that because of the way those films were received, there were casting directors who were like, eh, but, like, as we've also talked about, the directing in those movies was, like, questionable. Like, they made Natalie Portman suck, you know? Right. So I, like... But she didn't then turn around and be like, I don't want this fame that was handed to <laughs> I know. me. Like, can you imagine for other actors how offensive that must be to read? Right? Like... Like, I'm please, sir, I'm talk, sorry talk for... to Daniel Radcliffe about his PR <laughs> angle with that same circumstance. No. Nope. He made some weird choices, but he made it sound a lot better. But, you know, he also, like, made his own choices. He, like, took his fame and decided he was going to do some different things with it. Right. He wasn't like, I don't want jobs anymore. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, getting, like, the next really, like, important vertical move in your career and then being like, you know what, this this job is too good. I'm going to take three years off and my resume is going to suck and then I'm going to have to get an entry level job and that'll make me feel like I earned it. Yeah. Like, I just, I feel bad for him that his imposter syndrome got that deep. Aww. Poor guy. It's tough. It's really tough. And now we want to talk about clawing his way back to the top, and he's making fucking off-season Hallmark over here. <laughs> Is this his first movie since his break? No, it's not. He, okay. um... So let's see, Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005, so he's been in one, two, three... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen things since then. Fourteen people paid him to do things. Yep, yep, yep. Um, they all did very poorly. Right, you said Except, that. Except, oh no, that was in 2001. In 2001, he was in a movie called Life as a House. I've seen that movie. I spent a lot of time laughing at the name of this movie and then I started reading articles and it turned out this movie was like an Oscar contender so it's apparently like not yeah. actually a dumb movie but it's but I don't I don't think he was that important to the movie if I recall correctly. no I don't think so but according to a couple of the articles like that was supposed to be the movie that was gonna like make him a promising like up-and-comer and then Star gotcha. Wars sank all of those hopes. Well, well, that's what happens when you bitch about sand on screen. <laughs> it's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. <laughs> there is, um, I can't find it now, but there is an allusion in one of these articles to him and the rest of the cast making fun of George Lucas for that line. Really? Yeah. Um, that's amazing. I'm digging through my articles to see if I can find it, and I don't know if I'm going to get it during this recording. But my biggest question was like, okay, so you all goofed about it, but where was the person on set saying, no, really, George, we will not say this out loud? Everyone needs checks and balances. It's so true. Like, if every single actor just refused to act that scene... He would have rewritten it. Well, there should have been editors who felt like they could say this blows. <gasps> My God, can you imagine if that had been like a DVD extra? I would love that. 
It would be like the I've... funniest cult shit. It would be amazing. <laughs> Somehow I just went on a mental path where I was thinking about Chris Columbus on DVD extras and thinking about how maybe we should do that for Columbus Day. It got weird. <laughs> Um, He's oh. just another tool out there. Hold on. Ah, damn it, it doesn't actually say anything good. It just, like, mentions in passing that Hayden Christensen, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford have all, like, publicly made fun of George Lucas for that line. <laughs> and other lines. It's really satisfying. Yeah. I'm clicking on a link to um, other times that they've made fun of him. <laughs> it's our favorite segment our favorite segment listen to kirsty google right uh wait so i want to while you're googling yeah i want to go back to this concept of a culinary pizza showdown oh yeah, yeah yeah oh i have a quote about that too but go ahead well i feel like i have some firsthand experience as someone who's participated in a culinary pizza showdown <laughs> you have it's true and one you did win. I won. I have a trophy. Yep. But, like, visually, that's not that compelling. And, like, pizza is pizza. <laughs> and I just don't know how that's going to be the centerpiece for this entire movie. And make it any better than, like the gingerbread competition it's gonna be like that <laughs> i feel like it's gonna be like the first third is gonna be flirting and yep. then the middle third is gonna be like their families fighting about stuff and them sneaking around yep. and then the last third is gonna be like 10 minutes of pizza competition but then their family see that they're actually in love and, like, look and at how well I'd... they work together as a team. And then they reconcile their differences. Are we going to bet that they merge the pizza places into one pizza place by the end? To become, like, an epic pizza chain. Yes. They open a pizza empire. Exactly. In the name of love. <laughs> I also suspect that it's... The culinary showdown could be part of a larger set piece of, like, an Italian festival... Mm. Oh, like uh, can... like like Christmas Festival of Ice. Yeah, yeah. So you know how they have the ones in like the North End that are a thing. Yeah, Saint Anthony's Feast and shit. Yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna be one of those. It could be. But also, like, he doesn't look Italian. Not that he has to, but like, no, he really he doesn't. Really doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. And they they uh they gave him this hairstyle on the movie poster that's like kind of spiky. And it feels a little bit like, like the Jersey Shore look of two thousand five. Yeah, it's such a time warp. It's a real time warp, and I'm like, is that how Hayden's wearing his hair, or were like they um, <laughs> making some some choices? <laughs> they made so many choices. Yeah. Oh no. Um He certainly hasn't discovered Charity CrossFit. He has not. He is still Twiggy. Yeah. Poor guy. Poor Twiggy guy. Oh, I have a bit we were gonna do. Oh yeah? Yeah. Let's play this game. Okay. What things um is he going to whine about in this movie? Um since he's the best whiner I know. They're definitely going to go to the beach at some point. <laughs> TBD, if they're going to bother to, like, have the self-awareness to get an in-joke in there about sand. But they are going to go to the beach, and it will be an in-joke in my heart. <laughs> I want that so much. <laughs> um... I think he's going to whine about pizza sauce, for sure. Pizza sauce? There's definitely going to be a sexy time where they throw pizza dough. Ew. I guarantee you. 
I think there's also going to be a, like, if you can't take the heat joke. Oh. <laughs> Um, he's going to whine about his family. For sure. Are you still there? Yeah, I I heard the second half of that, so I couldn't tell if you were at the beginning or the end of a sentence. Oh, I said he's going to whine about his family for sure. Oh, yeah, they're both going to get really deep about their families. Um... They're also, what else is he going to whine about? Probably about their neighborhood in relation to the whole city. Yep. That'll come up. Do you think there's going to be some, like, community pride stuff? Yes, definitely. What did you drop? My wedding ring. (laughs) (laughs) And BD. Leaving it all behind for Hayden Christensen. (laughs) I just got so swept up in the moment. <laughs> I forgot how a paddle brush works. <laughs> My fragile lady brain. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta pick this up. My my foot isn't oh doing it. If I don't come back up, you know where to send the search team. Yep. <laughs> okay. I made it. You made it. I made it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, (laughs) I don't, I don't know what to really expect from this because I don't feel like they're setting up a situation for success. (laughs) And like, maybe that was never their goal. (laughs) What's going to be, like, the ultimate conflict? Because there has to be something more than just their families hating each other. It has to be that, like, one of the family's businesses is going to go under or something, right? Maybe, like, the two dads used to be business partners and one of the dads, like, stole the recipe to the pizza sauce. And, um... And it was, like, proprietary. I really like that idea. Or, like, maybe they were, like, college roommates and had a a falling out. I I feel like they're not going to stray very far from pizza. Like, I feel like the pizza is going to remain at the center (laughs) of the whole thing. Just like when gingerbread and Christmas remain at the center. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> be Christmas like, boners. The the pizza is gonna be the symbol of emotional <laughs> strife, much like the use of ice sculptures. Oh no! Do you think they're gonna put different toppings like combined into one pizza to show how they're joining their families together? Like a one? unity quilt, except pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've got to get oh. at least one dark side joke in there, right? They're not that smart, I guarantee you. They've got to get one in there. You're going to be disappointed if that's your expectation. I, like, they're more likely to get a dark side joke in there than they are, like, a sand joke. That's true. I mean, I'm thinking, like, like the tip jar on the counter has one of those stupid handwritten signs like on the internet that says like come to the dark side we have cookies or some shit <laughs> if that doesn't happen will you photoshop it in <laughs> i will it's amazing um, i'll do a whole re-edit you should you should like send handwritten letters <laughs> come to the dark side we have pizza Oh, um, so that's all my thoughts on Little Italy. Do you have anything else? Uh, so I started a Google adventure and I just want to bring it full circle because I think you'll appreciate this. Okay. So all right. this is an inter- interview with Mark Hamill and he's talking about a line that he forced George Lucas to take out of A yep. New Hope. 
Okay. And it says, Harrison says, look, kid, I've done my part of the bargain. When I get to an asteroid, you, the old man, and the droids get dropped off. And my line was, but we can't turn back. Fear is their greatest defense. And I doubt if the actual secure, wait, if. If the actual security there is any greater than it was on planets, and what there is is most likely directed towards a large-scale assault. (laughs) That's so colloquial. (laughs) I'm going to send it to you so you have it in writing, but it, like, he says... beautiful. He says... (laughs) boy i'll never forget it as long as i live i sometimes dream about this line (laughs) talk about a firecracker who just is killing it in 2018 no kidding mark hamill was the reboot we all needed apparently (laughs) no no one would have known supposedly um there were, like, multiple times where they have considered bringing Hayden Christensen back in the new Star Wars. And then... I would walk out of the theater. I think that would be the moment. Like, they've thought about doing it as, like, flashbacks or holograms or, like, various things. And they ended up bringing Mark Hamill back for reasons. And so I guess that, like scratched the itch and they haven't explored it any further but like it's been alluded to in at least three different interviews that they thought about bringing Hayden Christensen back they already brought him back to destroy the original footage of episode six and that was more than what anyone asked for (laughs) so he can go back to his low ground and suck it (laughs) you know just to bring the whole episode full circle that is one thing that really gets me about uh the arrested development season four remix it's like if you can just re-edit a whole season because the fans didn't like the original format how is that any different than like han shot first or like hayden christensen Mm -hmm. was the hologram all along fair point it's just like the natural evolution like george lucas started it and now (laughs) arrested development has like taking it to a whole new level yeah let's blame george lucas for all of our problems it's all george lucas's fault it's my favorite <laughs> been doing it since 1997 true that who who's a better scapegoat george lucas or the daves Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. It's, I think it really depends on if you're what side of the line you're on, if it's like douchery or idiocy. <laughs> Sick burn, Fergus. <laughs> uh, on that note, we're going to go out on the high ground. grad will never not kill me (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you are also hanging out on the high ground or if you have other thoughts and feelings about (laughs) arrested development or apparently star wars or or little italy off-season hallmark any of these wonderful things we talked about today um you can find us at hatewatchwithus.com that we haven't updated in a very long time, but we're there technically uh, on Twitter at hatewatchwithus, or you can also find all of our other friends at Thoughtable Audio, Thoughtable FM on Twitter and thoughtableaudio.com and all those other places. So if you search Thoughtable Audio on iTunes, you'll find all of them, I promise. Yeah. And, and you'll find, I'm sorry, you still have the high ground. Um, you'll, you'll find all of us in all of the places where you find the podcasts. So just go to all of them. That was clear and thoughtful direction. Thank you. Well, you know, there's just so many options. Just go to every it's single so one of them and then we're there. 
Yeah. And if you want to give us a five-star review on iTunes, you can say I have the high ground as the copy. <laughs> and you, you will be guaranteed to have the high ground over me for the whole day. It's so true. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening, friends. <laughs> we broke, Kirsty. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>